Welcome back, everybody, to Brick by Brick. This is is this the is this the fourth or third one, Alex? Number third, three. Yeah, yes, this sir. is the third episode of Hoddle Happy Hour, which is an episode where or a segment rather where Alex and I here talk about finances, investing, anything to do with making money, saving money, investment opportunities, NFTs, crypto, new trends, things that are going on in the market things like that. So that's what this segment is all about. And Alex, just for context, is my best friend since I was a kid. Um, we met in like fifth or sixth grade, and we've been best friends ever since. And um, and yeah, we're going to get into some topics. But since this is a happy hour segment, we like to start it off with a drink each time. So Alex, do you want to start with your cocktail? Yes, sir. I have a, I think on the last episode, I did a Pan Am, which is mm -hmm. bourbon and mezcal. And I'm going to a friend's tonight and we're going to be drinking mezcal. So I'm getting my body ready. I made a, uh, a mezcal fix, which is um, met your mezcal of choice, lime juice and simple syrup. Uh, I use agave nectar instead of the simple syrup. I think, it's, think it goes with it really nicely. And it's also more like shelf stable. So um, anyways, it's, it's a very solid, uh, easy to make, but I use a... Uh, a big uh, citrus press, a proper one that I just recently bought for the fresh lime juice. And it's just for how basic it is. It's incredible. Nice, man. Yeah. You're the master at whipping up drinks, whereas I'm more lazy and I just grab something out of my fridge every time. But one of these days I'm going to make an actual cocktail, but yes, sir. I'm going to do the same thing I always do and grab something out of my fridge. So this time it's a wacky beer. And I'm not sure if you can see this, Alex, but it's yeah. peanut butter and jelly sour ale with grape and blackberry. I'm very into it. Usually like peanut butter and jelly beers or stouts or porters, mm -hmm. but a sour, that's very interesting. Yeah, this was brewed and canned at Hidden Springs Ale Works in Tampa. So it's a local thing. And shout out Brick Media, shout out Boaters Republic, one of our clients. They sell a bunch of local beers in the store Ooh. and you can actually grab a beer and like walk around and shop at the same time. And this is one of the ones that they had that was like a special release like for can't remember what holiday it was or some kind of special occasion, but it's called man child and it's a peanut butter and jelly sour. And I'm excited to take a sip here. So I love it. Cheers. Cheers, Alex. Boom. So good. Um, oh man, this I, is delicious. I had a really interesting sour this past weekend uh, at a local brewery here in Atlanta called second. Yeah. I think it was second self. And uh, they had a lemon pepper, lemon pepper sour which sounds really weird and it tasted pretty wild, but um, my friend who was with me, he, he was sure to order it as a lemon pepper freestyle. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, it went over her <laughs> head. It's okay. Yep. Perfect. One yeah. of the best songs out there right now. I, I love a good sour though. Mm-hmm. hundred um, percent. But yeah, man, you want to, you want to dive into some topics? Um, maybe we start with kind of the state of the stock market to, to start there and kind of give people totally. an update on what we're looking at and, Kind of just how things have been maybe since maybe since January for people that like don't really pay attention to this. Yeah. I mean, kind of insane because, mm -hmm. you know, we we had an unbelievable like last quarter of the year and things started getting a little hairy in in December and January, like lots of signals of, you know, some possible downward trends upcoming and everything. And uh, that that definitely started and got pretty serious, I feel like in 
February. And by the way, we're not experts. You know, I might have some of my facts and timeline mixed up here, but of course with the, um, the conflict in, in Russia and Ukraine, that sort of tanked and kept everything really screwed up. There's global shortages everywhere, all kinds of turbulence, supply chain issues, food. It, there's like a, a famine incoming, which, um, or a possible one anyways, like it, it's, it's really messed up. And meanwhile, you have companies like Robin hood that like send out their little newsletters and they're like, Oh, Farmageddon. It's like, huh, why are you making a joke about that? But right. that's Robin hood for you. So, um, everything is just really turbulent, volatile right now. And I am just looking, honestly, one of the biggest problems is that like some economists are projecting that, that bonds are going to perform better. And obviously historically they're much safer. So I, I think it was either on the first or second huddle happy hour, Jake, that I was telling everybody get USDC and put it into crypto.com earn it's they're giving 12%. And I was like, it's not going to last forever. Well, it got slashed. It's now down to 8%, which is still wicked high compared to a traditional bank. But, um, you know, sure enough, I, I still didn't get as much in as I wanted. So I'm still putting money into that. Um, uh, another thing I just bought today, today is April 12th. Um, I finally got into Amazon because I wanted a single share and there is a split coming in June. And I just, mm. that's one of those things like, if you have the money for it, especially in a retirement account, which is what mine is in, it's a self-directed IRA. I just think it's a good idea to have some Amazon, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, same as Apple, Microsoft, things like that. Um, right. I, I did also recently, I'll say about a month or so ago, I did buy a share of Google for the exact same reason. They're splitting, I think in July, don't quote me on that one, but I think it's July. Um, Can you educate... So um I mean, I, I understand your logic, but can you educate people listening for why you bought before the split? Yeah. So here's the way I see it. And, and historically it's, if it's a really big, stable, important company with good leadership and crazy growth ahead of it and everything else, to me, a split is just an opportunity to make a bunch of money sort of from nothing. And that's because, so it basically usually happens with, um, uh, very, you know, high market cap stocks, high growth that have gotten so expensive that they're kind of cost prohibitive for a lot of people to get into, you know, like not everybody can afford to buy a $3,000 share of something. Um, I would say the average person, very few people can do that. And um, whenever you, you know, if, if you do a stock split, you suddenly make a bunch more shares available to people, but at a diminished value. But the thing is, they usually just go right back to where they initially were. Not right, not right away, of course, unless it's Tesla. Um, yeah. But you know, that, that's actually a really good example of one that happened in the past year or two. I can't remember, you know, Tesla was outrageous. It was a few thousand dollars and um, they split and then it just charged right back up. I mean, it's back up to about a thousand right now at the time of this recording. So um, although- I lucked out big time with that one. That was- it stocks wise, that's probably been your biggest win because you bought it Easily. when it was destroyed in, at the initial COVID dip. So it was, I, um, bought, I bought that and that was, that's my biggest win in terms of percentage. Yeah. And the second biggest win is Blink. Mm -hmm. Blink, the electric that. car charging stations. It's uh, yeah, I bought it at like two bucks and yep. even that, like it got up to in the fifties, but it's down in like the twenties or thirties or something now, but still percentage. Yeah. Is EV difference. has gone through. That, that whole industry has gone through a, a really wild ride, especially since um, uh, the Biden administration. 
I came into office, you know, cause there was like a lot of hype about the environment and the infrastructure package and all that. So a lot of EV stocks like went to the moon and then now they've you know, kind of like cratered from their all time highs. So just an industry to keep your eye on for sure. I, I have lots of um, different companies in the EV space, but you know, again, really big, big ones that you just, that you feel like, Hey, is this company going to be a around and be prospering in five years, 10 years, 20 years, like get some of that stuff in your, your retirement portfolio. Like the ones, yeah. you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google, uh, Tesla, T Tesla's a little bit more, um, of a spec play. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it's, it's going anywhere, but it's a little riskier and it's very volatile. You know, it goes up and down like big swings pretty frequently, depending on what Elon Musk is tweeting. Speaking of Elon Musk tweets. So he recently, I don't know if you saw this, Jake, he recently acquired like a 9% stake in the company. He, you know, he bought a shit ton of shares. Their, yeah. their stock soared. It, thank you. Sorry. Yeah. In Twitter, uh, their stock soared. He was going to become part of their board of directors. And now all of a sudden that's been reversed. He's not joining their board. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. So the, yep. the stocks of the stock, you know, it, it tumbled, not all the way back down to pre his buy, but there's all kind of conjecture of what's going on there and everything else. Mm. So it's just like, I have never, I, I got really greedy and risky for a while um, in the COVID era. And now I'm back to being pretty conservative in terms of like what I'm putting my money into and everything. Cause it's, it's just messy right now. Bitcoin got, it dipped under 40,000 yesterday. Maybe it might've even a little bit today. I bought more <laughs> nice. financial advice. So yep. it's very um, interesting how it's very interesting how in 2020 kind of up until maybe, I don't know, late last year, it almost seemed like every investment dollar was almost play money. Yep. Everybody was just throwing money around. And a lot of it was because of crypto. Like you could put some or an NFTs too. You could throw a hundred or $200 at something and it would turn into 3,800 in a week. But yep even with the stock market with COVID and everything, it felt like for a while that you could just put money into pretty much anything and it was going to go up and things in the past 12 months, six months have really started to normalize a little bit more. And obviously it's down now, but people have to be smart again with their money and they can't just throw it into anything and everything. So yeah. I've been being a lot more conservative as well. Whereas 2020, a little bit of early 2021, you and I texted a lot about this 24 seven, but I was just buying like these little $2 a share stocks with companies that I did just light research on and things that I saw on Reddit and really anything that seemed like it had a little bit of potential. And now I'm back to, you know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Starbucks, Walmart, you know, anything yeah. that's stable. And again, like you said, that I think is going to be here in, um, a decade, two decades. So that's always been a little bit of my strategy is big stable companies and then mixing in some riskier moves, but obviously with money that I could afford to go to zero. So yeah, that's that's a huge mindset. important part of that. Now now I have a bunch of those stinkers that you and I were, you know, just sort of gambling on sitting red as hell. I and hate like, staring at them. It's terrible. Like IDEX at idea ideanomics mm -hmm. garbage. I remember we, we, I bought into that around $2 and it went up to, I, I don't know, maybe like six or $7 in a pretty short amount of time. Greed didn't sell anything. It's yeah. under a dollar. Now I'm down 60% absolute garbage. Like, so it's, yeah, I got destroyed. I'm down 66%.
That, see, Awful. that's that's what I've been talking to anybody who will listen to me, um, especially as of late, is profit is profit. Take in, regularly get into the habit of taking in gains. Even if you think something might go higher, you know, it's okay. I always refer to it as giving haircuts, you know, taking a little bit off the top. If it keeps going, great. If it goes down, you can reinvest and get more bang for your buck. You know, it's right. to me, it's a win-win to do that. Um, and, you know, just have have more of a long-term patient mentality because that's that's what wealth always transfers from the impatient to the patient and, and right. on, you know, on a long enough uh, timeline. So yeah, I um, learned that the hard way with my V friends. Yeah. And hey, so we've talked about Jake's V friend. I now have a, uh, a truly painful story. Um, of, of selling too soon. And this is something I wanted to cover actually, Jake, thanks for bringing that up. So I bought a D God, um, NFT on, and that's D E G O D. And I, trust me, I'm not shilling. I'm not holding one anymore, unfortunately, but I bought, I got one at mint, which was in third quarter ish of 2021. It was only three soul. I wound. What's that in USD? I, well, right now, I don't know. Soul's probably like um, 120 or something like that. Let's say it's 120. That would be $360. At the time, okay. it was actually much more expensive. It might have been closer to, to 600 because Soul was around like 200 bucks. But um, and neither here nor there, it, it just in terms of raw Soul. Uh, and what I did about two months ago, something like that, a month, two months ago, I responsibly sold it because it was over 5x. And I was like, holy shit, you know, that's a really crazy return on your investment. So I responsibly sold it. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, and uh, D gods are like 150. Now, I don't know, last time I checked was maybe a couple couple days ago. And you guys do the math, I literally left like 20 grand on the table. Jeez. And 150 soul. Yeah, you can check on Magic Eden right now to see the floor. And yeah, I mean, that would be 150 using 120 as the USD value would be yeah. 18 grand. Exactly. So, and, and I mean, soul is probably going to keep on going up and, you know, it's a, by the way, soul is only one, 103 right now. I mean, you know, there was that huge crypto crash yesterday. So sorry for everybody, but you get the point how out of control my fictitious, my fictitious or hypothetical gains can get out of control here, depending on the uh, price of soul. But what I have to keep telling myself is like, Alex, you five to six X your investment and it very easily could have gone the other way, you know, yeah. and I won't mention him by name, but um, Jake and I actually have another mutual friend in connection who um, there's that ridiculous Ethereum project called Azuki or Azuki or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, he might, he had a handful of them and he sold around 10 or 12 ETH, something like that. Again, responsibly sold because he was five or six X and that's ETH is $3,000. So this is a, a fortune that we're talking about. And last time I checked, which was about a week ago, the floor was 27. So like wow. you and I are sitting over here lamenting, missing out on serious money, but that's, that's like retirement closing in money. Of course. <laughs> so yeah. And you know what else? I always try and keep things in perspective. Like I'm, as far as I know, I'm healthy. I'm mm -hmm. a pretty happy person. I have a well-adjusted life. It's like Alex, it's just money, but it is yep. tough. And um, I, I truly do hate NFTs. I don't know if I said that on the last episode, but I, I despise them and I want the bubble to pop and for them to go away. And, you know, as Gary Vee says, 
99% of them should fail and disappear. I hope that's the case because mm-hmm. it's, it's stressful bullshit, but like there's money to be made. So I'm still here for it. All the money that's being made in NFTs right now, for the most part, is literally just hype. Yeah, like there's act, there's not really anything backing most of these projects up. And even when they when you go on their website and it says, look at our amazing roadmap for the next five years, that's the equivalent of me submitting a proposal to somebody for Brick Media and being like, this is what we're going to do for you. But it's like, if we don't actually do it, then it doesn't matter. So um, also Brick Media is much more intrinsically and objectively valuable and of useful. Course, of course, <laughs> But I'm just saying I could make a website right now saying brickNFT.com and say the roadmap is that we're going to build a random neighborhood in the middle of Oregon that everybody can live in and have a house in. And, you know, you get 50% of the royalties for blah, blah, blah. And we're going to have a Netflix show and we're going to have, you know, uh, NFL players tweeting it. And I could say anything in the world and put it on the roadmap, but that doesn't mean I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. And it's just silly that people are going to these websites for these NFT projects looking at the roadmap and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to invest in that because they say they're going to do these things. I could literally say anything and that doesn't mean I'm doing it. The word hype should be the word of the year for Mm -hmm. 2022 because you're exactly right. That's what 99% of them are. And it's, it's truly disgusting. I mean, it's, it's irresponsible at best and like demoralizing and really brings me down whenever I think about how much money is tied up in this for the most part absolute shit it's seriously depressing and then you like you look at inflation and and everything else and i can totally see why um some people like kind of gamify it and they're just like oh well we basically have monopoly money anyways which i mean that's how i feel too but it's 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 like uh you know as you hear the term, you know, and uh, of a hedge against inflation for for Bitcoin. I think we're going to see a test here in the coming months to see if that really is the case. Because I at least truly believe in cryptocurrency. Like I would I love to see cryptocurrency overthrow government money somehow one day and completely take out, you know, institutional middlemen and everything. Like that's amazing. And the other funny part of that equation is I really believe that the huge uh, movements that we've been seeing lately, those are these are the market makers. It's people who have been with crypto for a long time and have been clamoring for institutional adoption. It's kind of a situation of be careful what you wish for because we got it. And now all the same big wigs and institutions right. are making money off of it the way they make money off of everything else. And it's like they're of course. they're ruining a good thing, obviously. Right. So yep. I don't know. I'm I'm in like hyper rambling mode because I feel like I have so much to say, and I know we're gonna keep this, you know, a little bit more uh, no, condensed in the last couple. Now, but when it comes to when it comes to NFTs, though, I mean, I kind of feel the same way as you right now. Like I can't stand NFTs because of just the immaturity of where things are at right now. Yes, but I am very pro NFTs in the long term because I do think it's cool that it's just a new platform that companies and people and artists and companies, whoever can just build cool things with and give you access to cool things and have a bunch of cool actual utility type of features with them. But right now it's literally just art and BS. 
Um, yeah. And let's put claim, art in quotes too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And people <laughs> claim that they want to collect this art and support artists and um, all these other things. But really at the end of the day, they're just buying it, waiting for it to go up and then they're selling it. So exactly. they're actually, they're saying one thing, but they're actually doing another thing. Yeah. You, on top of everything else, like we're all, we're all lying to ourselves and to each other. Um, there has not been a single NFT project that I've been in that was not be, not because of money. Of and whenever I'm on, I, I feel like NFTs have taken over Twitter. And I think a lot of people who are totally unplugged from NFTs and not interested in it, they're real sick of it. And I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. Like I have never retweeted anything because I'm like, oh, I, I really, really believe in this. And this is a good thing. I'm like, no, I'm shilling it and hyping it because I'm in it now. I want right. it to go up so I can get out and then laugh at people who are still in it. Like it's very cynical and terrible, but that's that's just where we're at with it Everybody, right now. 99% of people in NFTs, meaning buying NFTs are like you, which is yeah. why the whole market is- Hype. Fake, it's fake. It's yeah. fake, yeah. Yeah, everybody exactly. has that mindset. Nobody's actually buying it for anything. It's the same, buying an NFT project at the mint, just because you read the roadmap, is worse than buying a penny stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you know it's, nothing it's about. It's delusional. It really like, is. It, it literally is the same thing as buying a stock that's a dollar that you know nothing about. Yeah. And, you know, you're just banking on the fact that Elon Musk is going to tweet about that project or Gary Vee is going to tweet about it or somebody it's famous gambling. is going to tweet about it. And yeah, the same thing with a penny stock. I mean, Elon Musk could say, go buy this penny stock. Like, I believe in it. And it's going to go up by $10. Yeah. And the same way, NFT project, same thing. Yeah. So. It's, it's freaky. And, and to close the, the conversation on what you were just talking about right there. And I do think we've mentioned this on a previous episode of Hoddle Happy Hour. We both, Jake and I both believe in NFT technology. It's, it's a good thing and it's really awesome. And there's unlimited applications. We're talking about the PFP bullshit bubble that we're in right now. And just like, Everybody and his brother has some stupid little project. And, you know, half the time, especially on Solana, Solana's the worst where people, you know, they mint out and they're like, all right, thanks for the money. See ya. And they just immediately rug the project and, right. and delete their website and Twitter. And I think it's hilarious. There's, there's nothing illegal about it, at least not to my knowledge. Maybe, maybe there is, I don't know, but like, it's not ethical, but it's not. Illegal. No, no, it's, it's not moral either, but it's, mm -hmm. It's like, look, you know what you're getting into when you do this stuff. It is gambling, especially whenever you have that mindset about it. Of course. And nobody, nobody wants to be accountable to what they buy. They just assume that what they're going to buy is going to go up. So whenever it goes down or it's a rug pull, they start blaming everybody else. But it's like, you're the one that went on the website, read the roadmap, read a couple tweets, and then fell for it. It's like, I'm not sitting here yeah. blaming I'm not sitting here blaming Facebook if my Facebook stock goes down a little bit. It's like, I, I made no, the choice to buy it not. because I believe in it. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I know we so, can talk about NFTs all day, but um, do you have any some final thoughts before we move on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm good on NFTs. We can talk about some crypto stuff, I guess. Sure. If, if you're interested. Mm -hmm. So um, some pretty big news that I just got. This is brand new. Uh, so it, again, it's April 12th. Starting April 15th, and please do your own research, read their announcement, blah, blah, blah. But my interpretation of announcement from Celsius, Celsius Network, which is 
basically a, for me, it's an interest earning platform. I think for their business model and for a lot of other people, it is a crypto lending platform where you take out debt in cash and like borrow against your crypto so you can buy more crypto or, or, or what have you, whatever you want to do. And um, so wild. I, I've been kind of in love with Celsius since I've been uh, with them in, the very, I think, December of 2020, something like that. And it's been a substantial source of side income um, for sure. And you earn in-kind interest. So like, you know, if you have Bitcoin sitting in there and it's, it's earning interest and it's growing on itself, you're getting it in Bitcoin, not, you know, fiat. I mean, it's, it has some pretty amazing growth potential. And um, from what I understand in this announcement is starting in three days on April 15th, if you are not an accredited investor, you will no longer be able to transfer new assets in and earn interest on them. So what it means is uh, for all of the assets that I have in there, I will still be able to earn interest because they were in before April 15th. But if I want to transfer in new assets and get um, interest on that, I can't do that unless I'm an accredited investor. And I'm going to loosely define that for, for the listeners. There are, there are certain criteria that can qualify you, but the two like pretty main ones that you can read about are you have to have a net worth of a million dollars or more. Um, so, you know, that includes all your liquid assets and everything. Right. Um, I don't know about retirement accounts or I think you have to make $200,000 a year or more, or $300,000 of joint income, you know, with mm. your domestic partner, your husband, wife, whatever. Right. So, um, you know, it's, that, that's, that's a pretty steep cutoff line, I think for a lot of people. And it oh, just yeah. sucks because here it was, you know, like Celsius is their thing is quote, unbank yourself. They were like the anti-bank. And now I'm like, Hmm, you're, certainly behaving a lot like a bank suddenly you're making a really important product cryptocurrency and like benefiting from it inaccessible to people you were supposed to benefit and yep. again it's just like priorities change and whoever's at the top of celsius just is looking out for themselves and their own financial yeah. interests yeah and it's just like th that's exactly right and and it's mm -hmm. it just really sucks because it's just another reminder that the system always feels shittily rigged against the average person. I'm not talking about, you know, like really, you know, very unfortunate or, you know, really hard, hard up poor individuals or anything like that. I'm talking about the average middle-class, upper middle-class person, whatever, who is just like, wow, you mean I can't even make interest. All I want is a little bit of interest and you're, you're cutting me out of that. It, right. it just really sucks. So I know Jake will get this out immediately. Um, anybody who's interested, get your funds into Celsius because if you're not an accredited investor, you're not going to be able to earn interest past that date, according to my interpretation of that announcement. But I'm pretty sure that's what it said. Yep. So it's back to the roadmap thing. It's like they said they were going to do one thing and they're doing another. And things can change that's why at any time. Yeah, you don't you don't believe you shouldn't believe in any roadmap until you actually either one, do so much research on the founder that you actually trust it, um, or two, um, where was I going with that? But yeah, basically do your research is what yeah. it boils down to. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I, I talked in the beginning a lot about my, um, my conversion from kind of being greedy and, 
not so risk averse last year and me being a little bit more conservative now with the plays I'm making, but I'm also, um, I am just, wow. That was contagious, Jake. I just, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> the other thing that I always tell people is diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I don't care if yeah. it's something as safe and amazing as, as Microsoft, like spread your money around because my philosophy on that is if I have money in everything, I can never be broke. I might right. not be rich or wealthy, but I can't have no money if I have money right. in everything. Literally everything from cash and stocks and crypto to precious metals and, right. and anything else. I don't know, maybe you're into collecting fancy you know, art, but like, mm -hmm. it's, it is a good idea to invest money all over the place. And that way, you know, you're never going to be destitute, which, which is huge. So, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, I like to, I like to keep my, you know, I have my stocks, I have my cash savings, I have, um, retirement, I have obviously my business is its own asset, mm -hmm. um, NFTs, crypto. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place too. big stocks, small ones. Yep. So, good point. I'm, I'm actually, probably a little bit too diversified. I mean, some mm -hmm. my portfolios are just they're they'd be what they would be a mess for a stranger to look at. It all makes perfect sense to me. I know what I'm doing, but it, it is kind of crazy and sometimes a little bit overwhelming. But um, the one really cool thing about go ahead. I was going to say you also with that setup, you have the best chance of, you know, the next Dogecoin type of thing happening you nailed to it. you where it's okay. like, something's going to go from 0. 0.00001 to like 10 cents. Yes. And then all of a sudden you have $10 million. So every single day I am checking my, I have multiple crypto portfolios on very, you can use a coin market cap um, and coin stats. Those are the two that I like, but they're free. I mean, they have paid mm -hmm. versions, but you know, I track, I track lots of my different tokens in both of those platforms. Matter of fact, because I ran out of free portfolios in one of them. So I had to open the other one, but, uh, that in my TD Ameritrade accounts, both my retirement, my retirement and my individual one, uh, it's really cool because on, there are just so many different positions that like, like you said, Jake, I'm rolling the dice every day and like one can shoot up 70%, you know, you just never know. Right. And as, as a matter of fact, um, this is actually another strike against Celsius that I don't like. They are really annoying with their promo codes. So they have good promo codes. You can deposit $5,000 worth of ETH and get $200 worth. That's a decent little percentage of it. 4%, mm -hmm. um, I guess. But um, the problem is if you pull any funds out, it cancels that promotional uh, amount that you got. And mm -hmm. that includes any crypto, which I think is bullshit. I, I think it should be put in X ETH. And if you remove any ETH, you are no longer eligible. But like, if you put in Ethereum and you pull out Bitcoin, it cancels your Ethereum bonus. I think that's ridiculous. And I've gotten yeah. burned by it before. But um, they just, just want you morning, to hold everything in their, in their system. It, it, again, they want to make money off your money. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, I'm probably going to stop using their promo codes for that reason. I, I don't think it's good to have lots of different funds in Celsius and have them locked up because perfect example, um, there is a weird token. I don't know what it is, like just like with most of the crypto that I'm invested in, um, but it's called Bancor Network Token, BNT. Uh, and my average is like in the $2 or something like that range, maybe $3 something. And so it's, it's down a little bit, not a ton. 
uh, this morning I opened my coin stats app and it was $9 and something. It jumped up over 200%. Wow. And I couldn't do anything about it because I didn't have enough to warrant trying to like hurry up and pull it out, sell it on a platform, whatever, because it would cancel out that free Ethereum that I'm going to get in a month. So be very yep. wary of it. The, I guess the moral of that uh, story is, um, you know, devil's in the details. But right. interestingly enough, I think that was a temporary pop because whenever I got to work, it went right back to where it was. And you'll see that sometimes with lots of crypto, depending on the exchange, like there'll be a crazy spike and then it, it just goes back down to exactly where it was. So I don't know exactly what's going on with stuff like that. Crypto does weird stuff all the time. And sometimes it's um, exchange specific. You know, like you might, you might look at one exchange and, um, Kyber network is trading at 350, but then on Binance.us, it's trading at like $20 because right, there, right. there's like a liquidity issue. That's actually, mm -hmm. I've seen that happen before. It's really crazy. Yeah, so. for sure. I think the moral of the story with all of this stuff in, in terms of crypto, NFTs, stocks, all of it is just one, don't spend money on it that you can't afford to go to zero because you never yep. know what's going to happen. And two is just do your research on the people that are behind things and the companies that are behind things, because you have to remember that even if, even though you're putting money into something and even though at the end of the day, I think a lot of these project owners and companies, they would want people to benefit from what they're doing. At least some of them will, but you do have to remember that there's always going to be those people and companies that are only looking out for themselves and they're just using hype, they're using manipulation, they're using celebrities to do a whole bunch of other things that jack up the price for them. And then boom, everything that you just put in is going to go to zero right after that. So yep. just do your homework. Don't put money in that you can't afford to lose. And obviously diversify, like Alex is saying, don't put, I feel so nervous for all those people that, I mean, I'm glad for myself that I only put a moderate small amount of money into nfts and crypto yeah um but especially with nfts i'm so glad i didn't go crazy and put like thousands and thousands and thousands into different projects because imagine those people that have like 200 grand and a bunch of random nfts that are all going to go to zero yeah like can you imagine that feeling of when the bubble does burst at some point inevitably you have all these things that are literally worth nothing and you yep. put like your life savings into it because you're banking on it. That's just I not really, smart. I really do still think that's going to happen at, at some point, as you put it, but it's impossible to know anymore. I mean, right. maybe it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Maybe the line goes up, as they say, forever, which I just, I think, again, I, to use this word, I think that would be disgusting and just completely financially irresponsible of our entire society. But who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, all... I think you did a really good job of summarizing everything, like the big, the big sticking points that you and I are talking about and advocating for. And we're neither of us are financial advisors. We want to cover right. Jake's, but especially he's more of a public <laughs> figure. And you know, we're we're not telling you exactly what you should or should not do. But um, it's just how we feel about you mm -hmm. know certain things. And and we we both use a very common sense, rational approach to all of this. At least I think I like to think we do. Hundred percent. Is there anything else that you specifically want to touch on? Because I just have one other topic before we go. Um, I, I don't think so. Okay. I've talked enough. <laughs> no, you're good. The only other thing I wanted to bring up, and it kind of relates to all this stuff, I guess naturally most of these subject matters kind of relate to each other, but 
spending versus saving Mm -hmm. is something that I feel like comes up a lot with couples, individuals. I mean, anybody that's really making money and saving money, I guess, like pretty much anybody. So I know that we make jokes a lot about how I'm the spender, Kelly's the saver, you're the saver, Tara's the spender. So it's a funny, it's a funny dynamic in relationships, of course, but what's your take on spending versus saving and kind of when it's okay to spend a certain amount versus like what you should be putting away. And when I, when I say this stuff, I think a lot about normal people like us, but obviously I, I hear so much about athletes and people that get, they'll get like a $20 million contract and then they're broke in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how is there no education or logic that like, if you put 2 million of that into the stock market, you're pretty much going to be set for the rest of your life. And it's just like basic things like that, that people don't think about. And um, I think it obviously, you know, that's, that's a major kind of athlete um, example, but, or anybody that has a lot of money, but just for normal people too, like when, like, where's the cutoff with like, you know, what you should save, what you should spend, like, how should you think about how much you save out of what you make? And, you know, maybe talk through that for a little bit. Yeah, of course. So I I wouldn't want to give like, I don't have hard and fast rules even for myself um, Mm -hmm. for like percentages and whatnot. Um, I honestly will, will go through several pay cycles. I manage all the finances in in our relationship and it's, it's by uh, our mutually agreed upon choice. Tara does not like dealing with any of that stuff. She trusts me implicitly as she well should. Um, And I basically I'll notice like, wow, we have a bunch of like a good chunk of money sitting, sitting in our garbage checking account with our, with garbage PNC and they're using our money and not paying us for that. So um, no, and I'll move just a ton all at once into at least a slightly better savings account or USDC or whatever it is, an investment, whatever I'm doing with it. So um, what I will say it that's if you're really disciplined and really good with numbers in your head. And like, I have it all up here. I really do. I mean, it, it, a lot of people don't uh, do very well with keeping all that budgeting in their head, but I've done it all my life and it's it's treated me very well. But, you know, if you need it, keep a spreadsheet or use mint or whatever, you know, one of those Intuit products or something to help Mm -hmm. you keep, keep track of stuff. But my simple, simplified advice is, live within your means. And all that means basically is don't spend more than you have. Like the very idea of a credit card to me is very bad. It's a very Mm -hmm. bad idea. Now I do it because I it's, I'm throwing away free money. If I don't, you know, cash back points. points And And if you, if you know, you're going to be disciplined to pay it back, then it makes sense to do. Yeah. It, it, I, I pay all my cards down to zero every single month. If you don't, mm-hmm. you are pissing money away with the interest rates that those companies charge on you. Mm-hmm. Like you should treat a credit card like a debit card in as much as if you want to go buy a $2,000 TV, if you don't have a spare $2,000 worth of fiat sitting in your bank account, you should not buy that TV because mm-hmm. you can't afford it. Yep. So just spend within your means. And then as far as like what you spend money on, that's where it's more of a subjective thing, uh, you know, among individuals and couples. Like I know a lot of people uh, really, they're all about like material things, mm-hmm. but, you know, don't do much with experiences or travel or whatever. That's fine. You know, as long yeah. as 
both people are on board, spend money on whatever it is that brings you happiness, yeah. but just make sure that you're spending less than, than you're bringing in. Like, it's very simple. I can remember when Tara and I were first looking for a home, our, uh, our initial budget was way too high. Mm -hmm. it, we were shooting way too high. Not like could in the sense of can, could we afford what we were shooting for? Yes. But if one or God forbid, two of us, both of us lost our jobs, that picture can change very drastically, very quickly. So you have, whenever you're making uh, a purchase, whether it's a trip to Hawaii, <laughs> like we did, mm -hmm. or you're buying a home or a car or whatever, don't do math to the point where you're like, okay, um, with I make this much every month and this much goes to my living expenses and this much goes to groceries, gas, blah, 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 whatever. And I have this left over. Okay. I'll be able to afford this car. Well, just because you're like breaking even, or you have like $200 left on top, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that you can afford it per se, or like you right. can afford it, but you shouldn't afford it. So mm -hmm. just from, you don't leave enough room for cushion. Yeah. Leave cushion, leave, leave room for catastrophe. Right. Like plenty of cushion. Yeah. It, it, cut your income in half. Think mm -hmm. about it. Like if my wife lost her job or if, if I lost my job and I suddenly had no revenue coming in, would I be able to pay my bills, get food, student loans, if you have them, just mm -hmm. prepare for calamity. Cause then if you do, if, and when that happens, you're like, Oh, well, this really sucks, but you know, we're going to be fine. And I can take three months to find a job if I need to, because like, I've already planned for all of this. Right. So that's yeah, my take on that. My whole financial and saving and spending, it's all gotten a lot more complicated since the business has really taken off. So like when I look like I have a, I have a big spreadsheet that has all of our company revenue and all the clients and everything that's coming in. And then I have a tab that says brick expenses. So it's literally all the business expenses, the, the team, the payroll that comes out every two weeks, any contractors that we pay every you know month, bunch of business expenses that automatically come out every month, the amount that we have to save for taxes for payroll taxes. Um, and then just like taxes for, you know, like quarterly taxes that you have to just pay to the government just for having a business. And then I have another tab that's all my personal expenses. And it also has a personal savings section in there that has like, you know, what I'm putting automatically away into savings every month. And even after all that, I still make sure there's a cushion of like a couple grand. Like yeah, I try to always make sure that there's like room for whatever can happen. So, yeah. Um, and despite yeah, my, dis despite my disdain for uh, fiat, is fiat that is not backed with anything like the US dollar. Keep a substantial amount of it in a readily accessible bank account. That mm -hmm. is a piece of, of advice I would give to anybody, again, for calamities and catastrophes. I mean, just the other day, I, this is this makes me sick just talking about it. We had a little scare. We thought um, Tara might have had like an appendicitis or something. Went mm -hmm. to the hospital. Um, they were not able to diagnose anything. They literally were like, we don't know. They did some really expensive scan. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but uh, at the end of the day, they tried to prescribe her a bunch of drugs, including morphine, which that's a whole other moral dilemma that I was like, no wonder this country has an opioid crisis and right. sent her away without a diagnosis. And they were like, yeah, you're probably going to get a bill in the mail for $1,750. Jeez. Yeah. 
I went to the ER one time. <laughs> oh, it is. I went to the ER one time for um, literally about 30 minutes. Like once I actually got back there, I was in there for probably 15, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. They did a couple scans and they handed me a Gatorade and told me I was low on electrolytes. And then I got a bill in the mail a month later for $1,400. Dude, so that was the most expensive Gatorade I've ever had in my life. It's absolutely disgusting. And my point is, you know, there's that one stat that people always spout off that X percent of Americans can't afford a Y dollar amount unexpected expense. Right. What if that had happened to somebody who does not manage their finances very well or makes very maybe a, a minimum wage job? They can't pay a $1,750 bill. Right. Like it's outrageous. So just do your best within your means. And remember that, especially if you're, if you're younger and you're hearing this time is on your side. Like, mm-hmm. don't be impatient about, you know, trying to get rich overnight off of an NFT because it's probably right. not going to happen. <laughs> right. Just and especially, especially, I mean, as far as this whole conversation goes, obviously there's the people that make minimum wage or they don't make a great salary or whatever it may be. And they try to just live within that. I mean, that's great. But mm-hmm. the people that I'm worried about are the people that make 150000 a year, but they spend... 200,000 a year. And it's, it's like, it's just, I feel like a lot of the time, once you get to a certain point, you're comparing yourself to everybody else that also makes that amount or more. So it's like, as you start to make more money, your circles of people sometimes change and you're looking and comparing different things. And it's, it's never ending. And anytime you reach a new level, there's always going to be a new level above that. I mean, even NFL players that make 2 million a year, look up to business moguls that make you know 100 million a year so it's like it never it never ends and you always feel like you can do more so um i think keeping up with the joneses and that whole conversation of just i need to have what my neighbor has or or better or whatever is why people do that and um it's not an unhealthy thing yeah just find a way to be content with with what makes you and the people around you, your significant other, whomever happy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. And then anything else you get on top of that, it's gravy, invest it, put it away. And then maybe stop working 20 years sooner than everybody else does. Then you'll right. have the last laugh. It's like mm-hmm. a, um, that same friend that I'm going to go see tonight, something that he said to me the other day, I love him. He was like, I don't want, we were talking about irresponsible spending and people who blow money on stupid, stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't want to look rich. I want to be rich. Right. And I was right. like, my man. I like that quote. Yeah, I think love it. Another thing too, though, is like, if you are, and I was having a conversation with my neighbor about this the other day when we were just walking through the neighborhood. But if you are saving enough for like what you define as enough, like if you plugged in all the numbers and you said, okay, if I save this amount every month, that's going to make me have this amount when I'm 45 and you're happy with that, then spend whatever the heck you want. Totally. I mean, if, you know, like it's like if you want to live a certain lifestyle and you want to have a certain car and you want to have a certain house and you want to buy some of the stupid stuff that I buy when I go to Whole Foods and I just I, I paid a couple hundred dollars for a TB12 physical therapy session so that they could like stretch me out and massage me and stuff. And that was expensive. And I'm going back this week, too. But it's like I spend money on things that a lot of people would look at and be like, that's such a waste of money. But I know that I'm putting away an amount of money that I'm going to be very happy with in a decade. So it's like, who can tell me at that point what I can spend and what I can't. It comes down to discipline. Yeah. I'm doing things that make me happy that I feel like are good uses of my money at that given point in time. And 
as long as I'm saving enough, then I feel pretty good about what I'm doing with the rest of it. Agreed. hundred percent. I am, I am not out here to, to tell anybody how to spend their money. It's just like, mm-hmm. just don't be an idiot with what yeah. you have. Like if yeah. you're being responsible with what you feel is a responsible number, then yeah, like spend and live your life. You only live once. There's no point in, there's no point in dying with a massive bank account where you don't do anything with it, but it's That's like, what I say a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I could die in a course, car accident tomorrow. Right. And of course there's leaving a legacy for kids and family and all that stuff that you got to keep in mind, but it's like, just be responsible, do your research, diversify, don't spend more than you make. It's just basic stuff that people for some reason just don't want to follow those, uh, those guidelines, but that's where I'm at with everything. I love it, man. I'm not going to try and improve on that. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, if you guys are listening, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on Apple, uh, maybe rating it on Spotify, I would appreciate that. We have a YouTube channel for the podcast that uh, Alex actually helps me with a little bit. And, um, and we put some content on there too. So if you guys wouldn't mind subscribing there and then reviewing on Apple, that would really help. And appreciate you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Brick by Brick podcast. Please leave a review and connect with me directly on social media and I'll see you guys next time.